Good evening. God is with us. That is largely the theme of the scriptures that were read here uh, so capably by our young men. We started it off with Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, which will be the focus of our lesson here this evening. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Why? Because God already said. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There are two parts to this passage that I want us to focus in on. The first part is the promise. The promise is what God says. God essentially says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is with us. You put that incredible promise in the context of suffering, trials, tribulations, people making life difficult for you. And what you have is the background of the audience of Hebrews. Their life is being made difficult. They were beginning to suffer persecution for simply being a Christian. And they were beginning to question, where is God? Friends, aren't these the scenarios where you hear this question being voiced when people are in their difficult situations? People immediately start to question the presence of God. Where was the the Lord when? And it's always the most emotional scenario that they drum up. Where was the Lord when? And you you know, so often when you hear this being voiced, we want to credit that with unbelievers, but so often... It's coming from the mouth of those to whom God said, I will never leave you. And what the Hebrews writer does is he points his audience backwards in time. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Well, where's the evidence of that statement? You back up to Hebrews chapter 11. What we find there is what people like to call the great hall of fame of faith. Examples of faithfulness. Those like Abraham. God was with Abraham. At what point would you say God was with Abraham? You see, God was with Abraham when Abraham endured a famine. I don't know what it's like to experience a famine. And I would say that not many of us know what experiencing a famine must be like. I mean, in our life of comfort, we get uncomfortable when the lights go out. We get uncomfortable when there's no eggs in the fridge or or the the Wi-Fi is gone. Now, I don't know what all it means to be experienced of famine, but, but Abraham endured one and God was with him. What about when Abraham's nephew Lot is taken by those kings? Where was God then? You see, God was with Abraham when he took 318 of his servants and fought to get his nephew back. But friends, aren't these the scenarios where we might say, where is God when this is happening to me? Or you think of Joseph. To say that Joseph had an eventful life is almost a laughable understatement. Begins with family problems. Anybody familiar with that? I I would assure you, probably not to the extent of Joseph. Uh, His brothers hate him because he's the favorite, apparently. 
And, and what would be going on in your mind? 17 years old, you've done nothing but be a good son, and now your brothers hate you. You haven't done anything warranting them hating you, but there you are, thrown into a pit. They sell you into slavery. At what point do you begin to question, God, where are you? Where are you in all this? Joseph is, is sold into slavery, bought by Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh. He's in Egypt now, but Miss Potiphar decides that she wants to get to know Joseph just a little bit more intimately. And as she attempts to, she makes her attempt at him, he escapes her grasp, leaving his coat behind. What is Joseph's reward for such a righteous act? He's thrown in prison. The Lord is my helper, is he? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, really, because I'm in prison for something I didn't do. Where is God? You see, God was with Joseph. In fact, those are the words that you will find at the beginning of Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. Those words are repeated again when Joseph is in prison. The Lord was with Joseph inside of prison, outside of prison, inside slavery, outside of slavery. The Lord was with Joseph. Or you think of David. You know, you read of the life of David and it seems like that man was always facing an enemy. And it seems like his enemies got progressively worse with time. A lion, a bear, a giant in Goliath. And if we were ranking David's enemies, I would say that Goliath isn't his greatest enemy. What would you say if your enemy was the president? And he is investing every resource at his disposal to find you and kill you. I would go on to say that nobody here has had an enemy like that, but David did in Saul. Everywhere that David goes, it's like Saul already has somebody there on David's heels every step of the way. Multiple attempts on David's life. Where was God in all that? Where was God when David buried his child? Where was God when David's other child led a rebellion against him? You read the life of David and you constantly read, The Lord Delivered. The Lord delivered. The Lord, the Lord never left David. You know, we can keep going on with examples. In fact, that's the whole point of Hebrews. To see this whole point being proven over and over again. Time and time again that God keeps his promises. God doesn't leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Go back in time and see that being proven time and time again. Abel, Enoch, Joseph, Isaac, Moses, and you keep going on with those examples. In fact, the Hebrews writer gets to a point where he says, time will fail me if I keep going on with examples. How many opportunities of all those Old Testament faithful, how many opportunities that they have to ask, where are you, God? And how many times did God forsake them? Friends, not a single time. God doesn't leave his people. His people leave him. God doesn't forsake anybody. We 
forsake him. And it gets to the point that the Hebrew writer will say at the end of that chapter in Hebrews 11, that though these Old Testament faithful perform great acts of faith, he ends with that chapter with this, all these having attained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. What promise? The one that you and I have. Matthew 1, 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, isn't that the theme of sermons all around the world this time of year? A Savior is born. Hallelujah. God became flesh. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Sadly, the world stops at the promise. I said there's two parts to this passage. There's the promise. There's the second part. The second part is the profession. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the promise. What happens next is you profess something about that statement. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In different words, God is with you. Are you with God? That's the whole point of the Hebrews writer. God is faithful. He is righteous. He is not unfaithful to forget your words. But then the Hebrews writer goes on to the other side of the equation. There is something that you do with that incredible truth. He says, don't be sluggish, slothful, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit their promise. What can we imitate from those Old Testament faithful? Well, because God was with Abraham, Abraham believed the promises. He got uncomfortable. He went out and he walked by faith and not by sight. Because God was with Joseph, Joseph refused to sin. Instead of making excuses of why he was indebted to that, why he we had the right to exercise his lusts, Joseph would say, how can I do this great wickedness against God? Because God was with David, David repented. David couldn't do what Joseph did. David committed adultery with another man's wife. But instead of saying, God doesn't love me. Instead of saying, God doesn't want me back. He left because of my sin. I'm too far gone. What David realized is that God isn't the one who left. David left God. God was still in the same spot that David left him. And David was convinced of God's presence. Otherwise, he would not have had the chance to repent. God was still there. Friends, the tragedy isn't that God's people fall. That's not the tragedy. The tragedy is when we stay down because we convinced ourselves that God doesn't want us back. 
And what David does is he shows that even in our falls, God never left. We left him. And I assure you, friends, whatever you may be going through, whatever you may face in the future, you know we're about to turn another page in the calendar. Whatever life brings, whatever the future holds, there will never be a circumstance that ought to be more powerful than the promise that God is with us. Be with God. Stop chasing the world. Stop going after the worldly things. Stop loving the things in it. Be content with such things as you have because God has already said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. How about we go out there and prove it? This moment we extend to you the Lord's invitation. It may be the case that you forgot the promises. Maybe the case that you've never inherited the promises. You never realized that in your life. If you're not a Christian, that's what you need to be. God is with his people. You need to be with him. Believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name. Be immersed in water for the remission of your sins if you've already done that. It may be the case that you forgot what you had. Won't you come back to Him? There will never be a circumstance. There will never be something that you did that's more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Won't you come back to God? He'll have you back. But friends, you need to come. And we offer the invitation. If you need to respond, please do so as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>